How many of you are glad to be in God's house this morning? Amen? Amen. <clears throat> How many of you are ready for Thanksgiving? Yeah? Who here was grateful for the colder weather we had this week? Irving was wearing his sweaters in faith whenever it was 100 degrees outside, believing the cold would come sooner than expected, and it did. Well done. The prayers of a righteous man availeth much, Irving. So you must be living right, amen? <laughs> uh, I'm so glad to be here this morning. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I like this time of year. I, I know it can be cliche, and I know it can be somewhat predictable, but man, it is important for us to really take time to reflect on the things that we are thankful for. Amen? Uh, last week, Andrew hit us with a great passage of Scripture that many of us know in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, where he, he went through this passage and broke it down for us. It said, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. To count trials as joy because testing of your faith is a good thing because the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and steadfastness leads to being perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. If we go back and really do a Greek word search, what it's really trying to emphasize is that we've become mature. We've become mature people in understanding the different situations um, in life are not always set up to destroy us. Amen? And if we read it backwards, the steps of the things that happen, many of us like the part where we're perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. And many of us are to that place where we're saying, God, I want to be there already. And God says, okay, I'm going to take you there. How is he going to take you there? Well, first, you have to be steadfast if you want to be this mature person who is perfect, complete, and lacking nothing, right? And to be steadfast, that doesn't just happen. You don't go buy it at Walmart. You can't buy it on Amazon. There's not a way to, um, to, to have steadfastness unless what? You've been tested through some things, right? And, and so the testing is, is not a bad thing. And so, so uh, um, James tells us in this book to consider it pure joy when you have trials because the trials are the testing of your faith which produce steadfastness with it, which then lead us to be mature believers in Christ. Amen? Oh, man. We have to be thankful in those situations because God is trying to produce something in us that otherwise would not be there if we don't go through the trial. We have to go through these things at times. And it's not for nothing. And it's not because you're being punished. And it's not because you're in trouble. It's because God is trying to produce something in your life. He is trying to get you to the place where you are perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Amen? How many of you have met an older person in life and they are as content as be because they are satisfied fully in God and know that God has brought them through everything to the point where they are able to still rejoice and find joy in the Lord? Amen? I love meeting people like that. That's why I like coming to our church. We have an age-diverse church as well, right? 
We got, we got people from everywhere, but we also have an age-diverse church, meaning there's people who've been through some things that have seen the goodness of God throughout their entire lives, and they can attest to those of us who are younger. I'm putting myself in the younger category, okay? Those of us who are younger will know that God is faithful. If he's been faithful to my dad for 79 years, he's going to be faithful to me my whole life, right? <clears throat> We can be thankful in all circumstances. Amen? There is an importance of faith and gratitude in the middle of adversity. There is an importance to having gratitude in the middle of adversity. The question I have for you this morning is, are you convinced that in any and all circumstances, God is going to work on on your behalf for his people? Because faith really does get tested. Your faith does get tested. So the question becomes, are we going to have gratitude when there is a trial in front of us? When we are facing a test, are we going to be grateful in the middle of that? Because gratitude and adversity reminds us of who is really in control. Amen? If we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Today I'm going to give a lot of scriptures. I'm doing more of a topical sermon. I usually like to do like a, a passage and just extract from there. But today I'm going to be going through many verses. So you got to be ready on your sword drill. All right? Have you been sword drill ready? Y'all know what that is? I've explained that before. Y'all know what sword drill is? Sword drill? Man, this is how I know I grew up in church. All right, if you're shaking your head, thank you, other pastor's kid over here, understands what, what sword drill is. Like the game, you know the games we used to play in church where it had to be Christian? Like, we couldn't get a deck of cards. That was Picao. Um, so we had to play games, and the games that we came up with were, let's see who can turn to a particular passage in the Bible, find it, stand up, and read it before anybody else, right? That was called sword drill. And so you'd get your Bible out, and you had your, had your salty Bible, if you had a salty Bible, or you had your Bible in class, and the teacher would say whatever, Philippians 4.13, is it, where's it after, Genesis? Okay, and you'd go, and you'd find it. So that's what you're going to be doing today, all right? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, says, give thanks in all circumstances. What kind of circumstances? All circumstances. The good circumstances? Yes. The bad circumstances, yes. The hard ones, yes. The easy ones, yes. When things are going great, yes. When things are tough, yes. Give thanks in all circumstances. What circumstances? Say it again. All circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, I have to preface this because he's writing to believers so for those of us who are believers, for those of, you, those of us who are born-again Christians who believe in Jesus Christ, this applies to us. And I have to say that because it is foreign for somebody who doesn't know God to be able to get to a place where you can be thankful in all circumstances. Why? Because you don't know that God's going to come through for you in every situation. But for the believer, we know that God's going to come through. Amen? 
There is a reason behind what God is doing in all situations. So give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. We have to have an attitude of thankfulness during challenging times. Amen? We have to have an attitude of thankfulness during challenging times. Let's learn from Job, right? We all know the story of Job, and if you haven't, go read the story of Job. It is a very, very powerful story that we learn in the Bible. In the Old Testament, Job, um, I'm going to go to Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22, and this is a very common passage of Scripture that many of us have read, and many of us have probably quoted many times, and I'm going to read it here this morning because I think it's a very very good reference for us to, to see somebody who is going through a diff- difficult time, a challenging circumstance, to say the least. Yeah, it's definitely challenging what Job went through. But we see Job's unwavering gratitude towards God in the middle of it. So Job chapter 1, verses 20 through 22. It says, Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. This is after everything had been taken away from Job, okay? So we're picking up at the beginning of the story when everything has been destroyed and taken away. He's lost his kids, property, his his livestock. All these things have been taken away from him. And he doesn't know why. This is because this is what the devil is trying to do to see if he really loves God, right? Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen? In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. God did not need to meet a certain criteria or a certain set of conditions for Job to bless the Lord. He is blessing the Lord even after everything has been taken away from him. This is difficult for us at times because we want God to meet our conditions. We essentially set a contract before God to meet certain terms and conditions. And if God, you don't meet these milestones by these certain dates, I have the right of refusal and I'm going to pull the contract away and I'm no longer going to serve you, God. God, you have to meet these conditions for me to serve you because if you don't meet these conditions, then I cannot serve you, God, is what we tell God sometimes. Even though God may not be meeting your conditions, he is still worthy of our gratitude. He is still worthy of our gratitude. Why? Because God is still God. And his nature is to be faithful to his people even when they don't see it. His nature is faithfulness. God is not a man that he can lie. From the very beginning, he established he can't lie. Light did not exist. And he said, let there be light. 
in the universe had to obey his words and light had to appear from nothing because God said, let there be light. He can't lie. If he tried to lie, it would become truth. (laughs) If he said the sky is purple, guess what would happen? The sky would be purple. God's nature is faithfulness. It's trustworthy. It's dependable. So do not lose your gratitude toward God in all circumstances. Have gratitude towards God. In what circumstances? All circumstances. Why? What happens when we are people who have a heart of gratitude? You know, there's transformative power when we have gratitude. When we go to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, many of you know this one too, and if you don't have this one highlighted, I would suggest you highlight it and remember it for a later time if you're not going through something presently. Because Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. And look at the transformative power that happens in verse 7. It says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A position of gratitude has transformative power. Amen? The enemy loves to rob us of peace. And if there is anything the enemy wants to do, it's to rob you of peace. He wants us to be anxious. He wants us to be worried. He wants us to be concerned. Why? Because that pulls us away from God. He wants us to be ungrateful. He wants us to be discontent with what God is doing. He wants us to have our foundation on shifting sand. But there is transformative power in gratitude. In all circumstances, be anxious. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He wants to establish peace in your life. In all circumstances. In everything. That's why a mature believer recognizes, i got to be grateful in every circumstance. God, i got to be grateful in every circumstance. I don't know what it is that you're doing. I don't know what's going to happen. But God, I am grateful in all circumstances. Now, I I do want to go through something um, a little bit different here. And and I want to make sure that we understand that um, sometimes we go through things too because it's God's discipline. Um, not, Not punishment, discipline. There's a difference between discipline and punishment, right? Um. Punishment is getting what we deserve. Discipline is teaching us how to do something. 
Um, we have to understand God's discipline because sometimes we face difficult circumstances and it's difficult to us because it's, it's discipline that's trying to produce something in us. We have to differentiate God's refinement from punishment. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 11. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 11. I recently had to read this one to my son because I had to tell him, Son, I do not enjoy disciplining you, but as your loving father, I have to when I need to correct something and when I need to teach you something. There has to be discipline given in circumstances because it comes from a deep place of love. How many parents have had that conversation with your kid? You've had that? Yeah, yeah. I used to hate when my dad would tell me that. I don't spank you because I'm mad at you. I spank you because I love you. What? It doesn't make sense, Dad. It doesn't make sense. And now I say it to my kids. I almost say it in the accent to them too, but then they would start laughing and it wouldn't be funny. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 6 through 11 says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Verse 7, It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Ooh. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment... All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. There is a distinct difference between punishment and discipline. I can say that my father raising me and his discipline towards me was never just punishment. His discipline was to teach me the ways of the Lord. His discipline was that I would not wander from the paths of righteousness. His discipline was to teach me why he also serves the Lord. And I say my father, I mean both my parents. My mom disciplined me too. Okay, She wasn't a pushover. She's tough. But they, they disciplined me. Not, not, you know, you understand discipline is not just a spanking, right? Like, like them correcting me, them telling me, no, 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 you don't need to go over there. No, 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 watch out, hanging out with those people. If they're, if you can have them come to our house, don't go to theirs kind of thing, right? Uh, no, no, as I got older, no, 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 I don't want you going to, these, this place with these people? No, 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 be careful. Going. No, you need to be home by a certain time because I know what happens after certain hours is never a good thing. And, you know, all these different things, right? Discipline, 
that our parents bring towards us. I see parents with teenagers looking around at them like, hey, look, you got to understand your parents love you more than anybody. If you're a young person and you feel like your parents sometimes are a little bit harsh, understand why they're doing that is because they love you. There is, there is no person that will love you more than they do on earth. From the moment you were born, their hearts were filled with love for you. And, and if the, the idea of, of a threat of something hurting you and the idea or the threat of something causing harm to you, it, it, it messes with parents. And what we want to do is protect you and love you through everything. And sometimes that's what discipline is. Look, I... I love you. I can't let you go down this because it's going to hurt you. And as your parent, I don't want to see that happen. I want good things for you. And good things for you means certain things are not going to be allowed. Right? That's not even in my notes. Sorry, parents. I don't have a teenager yet, but I'm one. He's 11, thinks he's a teenager. So he's advanced. Uh, (laughs) It's like the wrong thing you want him to be advanced. And don't be ahead of time. God disciplines us too. God disciplines us, right? Uh, many of us have learned uh, discipline that God gives. Uh, I'll, I'll give a practical one that I learned particularly, especially whenever I first graduated from college and started earning actual money that was mine. I wasn't, depend- I wasn't living off mom and dad anymore. I was, you know, me and Tabitha had gotten married. We're, we're trying to be self-sustaining adults, contributing to society. We didn't want to, you know, be people that were just always needing to be supported by others. And, and so we, we got our jobs and we started working. And, and when you first get your job out of school, in my head, I thought I was going to be a millionaire day one. You know, like I was going to start with a million dollars, right? Was, I was going to be fine like that. No, that's not the way it goes, right? We know that there's a, a, a level of discipline that we have to develop in order to become people who are financially um, uh, s- smart, secure, have, have know what to do with things. And there was a lesson that I had to learn in, in giving, in tithing. And because we had always been taught in church, you got to tithe to God. And, and I, I enjoyed the way that I was brought up because my, you know, my dad um, was on TV for 18 years and he was not a TV person that was always asking people for money. Um, I don't think we ever saw money come in from something like that. He did not take advantage of the platform that he had for his own personal gain. And, and so um, we were taught very early on, uh, give to God, honor God, uh, do it the right way. Don't just uh, do it with the expectation that you're going to get something back from God because you belong to him, honor him, Right. And so I I had learned these things, but then when life happened and I started making my own money and I saw 10% of my money, that's a lot of money sometimes, especially when you don't have a lot of money. Um, It it was tough. And I would say, God, just bless me with a better job where I can make more money so then I can give. And God says, no, you got it backwards, Jonathan. I, I can't do that because you're not honoring me with what you have now. Um, whenever Abraham gives a first tithe to Melchizedek, what it does is it identifies that Abraham is of God. And he gives to the high priest Melchizedek, which, I, which lets him know this is a godly man too. And, and whenever I gave, it, it identified me as a godly person. And God could say, yes, that is mine. He is mine. And, 
And whenever I wasn't, whenever I was not giving and whenever I wasn't tithing, God was like, Jonathan, I can't do anything with this because you're not asking me. You're not identifying yourself as mine. You're not doing the basic thing first to say that you're mine with your finances. And I'm like, ay, Dios mío. I got it backwards. Let me honor you first, God. That way I am identified and I am protected and I am under the the shadow of the Almighty in my finances, right? And it wasn't easy because we didn't have a lot. But we had to be disciplined. We had to be trained by it. I say we now, you know, it was I at first, and now I'm bringing Tabitha into it. Like, we had to. I did not have the proper mindset needed, and it needed to be corrected, and God was disciplining me. He was teaching me, Jonathan, I can't bless you yet until you get this right. Now, does that mean that, every, that God is not sovereign and he can't do things on our, you know, in, in, in this world that he doesn't have all power to do things? Of course he does. But there are certain things that God wants us to understand and to learn, and it's not just for the time being. It's for the rest of our lives. Amen? He's trying to produce something in us. There are things that I want to give my kids in due time, but only when they're able to handle it, and I think that's the way God is with us many times. You know, there are things that I want to I, I be able to give my kids a car, but not at eight years old, right? What are they going to do with a car at eight years old? It's not the right time for them to handle it. I want to give my kids a phone, but at the right time. Uh, I want my kids to have certain things, but in the right time. I, I don't mind my kids having candy sometimes, but not right before dinner because it's the, not the proper time. It's going to spoil their dinner, right? There are things that God wants to do in us in the proper time when we're disciplined and ready for it, to handle it. Amen? So there's differentiating between the refining and the maturing that God is trying to produce in us and punishment that we think happens sometimes. So in difficult circumstances, there may be something that God is trying to produce in you. Amen? Uh, The benefits of trials... In strengthening faith, let's go to Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. This is very similar to James. So it's like Paul and James were followers of the same teacher, correct? Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Hope does not put us to shame. Amen? That comes from character. Character comes from endurance. Endurance comes from suffering. So sometimes the trials that we're going through are actually serving to strengthen our faith in God. Amen? We can rejoice in trials because we know our faith is strengthening. Praise God for that. It's not a just because or bad luck or something like that. No, it is 
because we know our faith is going to be strengthened. Amen? And how do we know that? Because we know that God is reliable through trials. How do we know that the the trial that we may face is good for strengthening our faith? Because I know the God that I serve, and the God that I serve is reliable through all trials. Amen? God is faithful. The reason why I can have an attitude of thanksgiving in all circumstances is because I am learning, and I have learned throughout many different times in life, that God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. And so my homiletics professor in college would be happy with me. I'm going to say it a third time. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. Amen. Who goes with you? The Lord. When you go through trials, who goes with you? The Lord. When life is hard, who is with you? The Lord is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. In difficult circumstances, the wonderful thing that we can cling to as believers is knowing that God will not leave us nor forsake us. He goes with us so we don't have to be in fear or dread the opposition that we encounter. Amen? We can be strong and courageous believers in Christ because we know He is faithful. Not because we have the skills to make it through or not because we've developed the talent to get through ourselves. No, but because the God that we serve is faithful so we can be strong and courageous in all circumstances. Amen? In trials, we do not need to lose heart. God goes with you when you are walking in obedience and fellowship with Him. He will not forsake you. When we get to this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 31... I'm sorry. <laughs> Reading wrong part of my notes. When we get to this next passage, we're going to get to in 1 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. When setting the table before that, Israel had turned away from God and they were worshiping other gods. The Israelites had turned away from God and were worshiping under other gods. And this is still under the leadership of, of Samuel, the priest, right? Before Saul has been established as king. They had turned away from God. They were worshiping other gods. And then a Philistine army came up against them, and the Israelites got scared. Now, they're not too far removed from God providing through the wilderness. They're not too far removed from them being let go as slaves in Egypt, crossing the Red Sea, seeing Pharaoh and his whole army get swallowed up by a sea. They're not too far removed from that. They're very, that's a lot closer in history to them than it is to us, okay? But they began to worship other gods. Then a Philistine army came up against them, and the Israelites were scared. And one thing the Israelites recognized right away was they knew they were away from God. They knew they were away from God. It was not a secret to them that they were away from God. They were worshiping Baal and and, um, 
Asherah pole. Not the Asherah poles, but it was, it was another God in the area. They were turned away from God completely. And the thing that the Israelites knew to do and what Samuel told them they needed to do was to first repent, turn back to God. Get rid of the, the, the bales, get rid of the idols, get rid of the false gods, turn back to God. Repent, turn back to God. Fast and pray. And then God delivered them supernaturally because the Philistine army was approaching them. And in 1 Samuel chapter 7, you'll read that God makes like this loud, thunderous sound that messes with the Philistines approaching him. And then the Israelites are able to overtake the Philistines and defeat them because of a supernatural act that God had done. God is faithful. Amen. I, I read that story and I, I tell you that story uh, because God is faithful through it. And we need to remember that God is faithful. First Samuel chapter 7 verse 12 says, Then Samuel took a stone. This is after they defeated the Philistines. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen and called its name Ebenezer. For he said, Till now the Lord has helped us. In Spanish, we say, hasta aquí me ayudó Jehová, right? I like it in Spanish more because I've heard it more my life in Spanish. And it's like, it sounds weird saying, till here the Lord has helped me. It sounds, sounds different to me. But God has been faithful. The reason why they built this is because they were commemorating the faithfulness of God. God is faithful even in your trial. God is faithful even when there is an army in front of you. He will not forsake us. We can rely on God's strength and guidance. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. We can rely on God's faithfulness. Even through difficult circumstances, we can rely on God's faithfulness. This is why we should have gratitude even in the face of adversity. We should have a heart of gratitude even in difficult circumstances. Why? Because the God that we serve is faithful through it all. Amen? If you'll stand with me here this morning.